You got to make sure you help me because it's a little few of you guys. You got, is anybody, you love Thanksgiving? Yeah. Okay. But maybe you may be the Christmas crew and that's fine too. But the thing is this, I didn't mean to rhyme, but I had a little bit of time. So I just threw it in there like that. Uh, anyway, Thanksgiving though. I love Thanksgiving. Why do I love Thanksgiving? Because Thanksgiving is all about just being together. Anybody with me on that? But here's the thing. It doesn't feel the same for everybody in the world in which we live. Some people think about holidays. They think about Thanksgiving. They think table is, and they don't have fond memories of the table. Because the table is a reminder of so many things. Here recently, uh, we just got rid of a table that we had for probably, what, like 10 years. Wasn't it, baby? 10 years. We had this table for 10 years, and we just got rid of it because Kara found a stellar deal, an awesome deal um, on a table where she was able to sell the one we had for 10 years and make money off that and get the other one for free right? Are you with me on this? The girl, she knows how to shop and she knows how to buy, okay? And what's exciting about that is this new table is beautiful. We love it and all this stuff. And of course, she has grandiose dreams of refinishing this table. You know what that means, right? She has grandiose dreams of me refinishing this table. She's like, I can do it, Just. I'm like, I'll be on it. Because when in doubt, Justin's going to carry it out, okay? So here's the thing. We, we got rid of that table, but I, was, I had this somber feeling. I had this somber feeling when we got rid of this table because of all the wonderful memories that happened around this table. Our kids had high chairs up to this table. You know what I'm saying by this? Our kids were under the table looking at the, the writing on it from the people before us because they actually didn't write on it. But they were under this table looking around. I remember this. Our kids were, our family and our friends would come and gather, right, Steph, do you remember? Would gather around this table and we'd laugh together. We'd do life and that table moved with us to Morgantown. And our team, right, guys, met around that table as we planned the plans of God, if you will, but as we planned the church together around that table. Here's the thing. Some people, a lot of people don't look at the table with this fond of memories like I do. Some people want to take the table outside and burn the bad boy because of all the memories that were at the table. And I want us to be sensitive to that. But also I want us to be sensitive to the understanding this Thanksgiving season that who's at the table is most, who is with you there is most important. Okay, you can see to your left that today we're going to be doing communion. And this is how we're going to start off this series of conversations with the table is with communion for good reason. It'll make sense to you in just a moment. All right, so welcome to the table. A little bit of background here. Uh, we see the disciples and Jesus are in what's called Passover season where they celebrated, right, uh, being able to get up out of bondage, to get out. And as God passed over the homes, as the blood was over the door frames, they passed over the homes, the judgment of death that would have been on someone that was not covered by the blood of the lamb, okay? Passover. And we see this celebration happening. We see the disciples gearing up for it, and we see Jesus making them make preparations for it. Because this was a big deal in the Jewish home of the day. It was a big meal. It was a big deal because it was a reminder of where they had come from, but also the hope that they had for the future. 
Okay, so we see that and we see Jesus saying to them, look, go make preparations. All right, this is in Luke 22. You won't see this on your screen, a little bit of background. And he said, as you enter, a man carrying a jar with water will meet you. Understanding this, that men did not carry water from the well. That was typically a woman's role in that time. So that in and of itself was a big deal that Jesus was showing him. Look, I'm about to do something crazy here. This is going to be a significant meal together, a significant supper, as we know as the last supper. Right? Do you know that iconic image? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's actually, Matt and I were talking about this. It was probably the first mannequin challenge, wasn't it? Right? You're catching up here? The older folks are like, what's the mannequin challenge? Okay, it's like a craze happening now with social media where everybody's trying to look like mannequins. And if they say it's still as possible, somebody walks through with a camera and just films it all and looks like everybody's standing here, they're mannequins. It's like it's a lie. So this was the first mannequin challenge. Jesus killed it. He was the man as he was, everybody else was like, right? You remember that. I love that iconic picture. But we see this preparation for this last supper. Luke 22, and we're going to start reading in 14. Now you got you to walk with me here because it's the context of the journey. A few scriptures, but you'll be able to walk with me. Okay. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Talking about what was going to happen with his body, okay? How he was going to be the ultimate sacrifice there. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. And I think that's very important that we understand that. On the forefront, he gave thanks. Now, we know the big picture, we knew that this was a big deal to him because he was going to be the, the, the offering poured out with his life, okay? He gave thanks, right, and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come until the fullness of what he was about to do would happen. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The crux of the matter was a memory, okay, an understanding at this moment that history was taking place with Jesus and his disciples. He was creating a memory at the table. Are you with me? A memory at the table, okay? Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who was going to betray me is with me on the table. Do you see that? The understanding with mine on the table. He's here at the table. He's with me. Who is he talking about? Judas, right? This understanding. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They begin to question among themselves which of them might be the one who would do this. A dispute also arose, and I love this. This is true disciple fashion. A dispute also arose among them as which of them would be considered the greatest. Isn't that funny? Jesus is like, I'm about to die. It's going to get really ugly for me. Um, I'm, really, I'm, I'm not super excited. We find that out later. I'm not super excited about this necessarily, but I know it's, it's something that has to happen. And, and he's like, right now there's somebody at the table with me that's going to betray me, all right? This dude that I poured my life into, this person that I've, I've invested in, this person that I've trusted, that I've done ministry with is going to betray me. And here you guys go in true disciple fashion, 
well, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be him? And they're like all over the table with the mannequin challenge, right? Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles uh, lord it over them, right? And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. You see what he's saying here? He's, he's turning the tables on these guys, saying, look, it's about service. It is not the one who is at the table, but I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in trials, in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom. He says, I give to you a kingdom, just as my father in the kingdom conferred one on me as he's given it to me so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This is significant because this is nearing the end of Jesus's life. You understand here? And really nearing the end of the disciples' lives as they knew it. Remember, these guys gave up a lot. They left their jobs. They left their professions to follow. They had nowhere to lay their heads. Remember, he told them, when you follow me and when you go out even, don't take anything with you, not even a bag. You remember that? To carry your stuff in. These guys sacrificed too. And this is where the rubber is beginning to meet the road as they talk around this table. Well, there's a few things at this table, uh, that this conversation at this table represents in our lives even today. And remember, we see that that word remembrance, okay, as an understanding, as a reminder. Is anybody else bad at remembering, remembering things? Anybody with me on that? The invention of cell this is, this is a counseling session all of a sudden, okay? Um, it's, my, my girl, she definitely doesn't remember anything. What's my name? See, look at her. She don't even know my name, okay? Say my name. Say, okay, so the thing is this. The table, though, serves as a reminder, and what I want us to get to, the place I want us to find ourselves today, that every time, are you with me? Every time that we see a table and we sit down at a table and we find our place at a table, I'm really strong. This table is about 750 pounds. I'm joking. But every time that we see a table and we sit there and we break bread with someone, we have a reminder of what Jesus did for us. It's important for us. And everybody has to eat, right? If you don't, you don't look like this, okay? If you want if you want to live, you have to eat. And what's great about that, you remember growing up, parents, right? Kids, you know, you're the kids of parents. I mean, the kids of parents. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. When your parents say, eat at the table. Didn't you hate that sometimes? Our kids, we, it's a fight some points because they just want to take snacks all throughout the house. You know, I can always find them by just chasing after the ants, and that's where the kids are kind of thing. You know, but it's the table that is so important. It is the table where conversations happen. It is the table where we are reminded of what Jesus did for us, the table. So the number one thing it does is this. It serves as a reminder of Jesus' sacrifice. It serves as a reminder of Jesus' sacrifice, right? You see this, that Jesus was laying himself down he was sacrificing himself so that we could live forever. Luke twenty two seventeen through 18. After taking the cup, right? After taking the cup, he gave thanks, right? You see that? And said, take this and divide it among you. Now, this wasn't the only cup 
right? That, he, that only time they used that cup because there was different times throughout the service that they would do that at the table. But he says this, take this cup and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He was about to pay the ultimate sacrifice, right? He was about to pay the ultimate sacrifice with his life and with this cup. And understanding a visual, right? that it was going to be poured out, that his blood was going to be spilled, and that we would have life ever after. That we wouldn't have to worry about sacrificing anything else so that we could live again once and for all. And we see the gravity of the situation in verse 42. Right? We see chapter 22, verse 42. We see Jesus crying out, praying, and he's in this place that, that he's just sweating like like drops of blood, right? Just crazy stuff going on in Jesus' life at this point because he understands the gravity of the situation and he says at this moment, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, right? Yet not my will, but yours be done. So regardless of what he was feeling, he still wanted to take the cup for you. He still wanted to take the cup because he knew that was the only way His sacrifice was the only way once and for all that these disciples could go out and make disciples, but also that the future disciples, us, could go out and make disciples because of the sacrificial lamb of God. The second thing is this. It is a reminder, right, of Jesus's brokenness. Let's talk about brokenness for a second because it's a great visual that we see. Something that is forcibly separated into two or more pieces, And you look at this, I mean, you look at what happened to Jesus' body as he was broken, literally broken, where he couldn't even be understood as Jesus anymore visibly, right? Broken at this point. And this is such such a reminder for us as we see it, fractured, a broken piece of, of man left over. And we look at the bread and we think about his body and how it was literally just broken. And it's so poignant for us as we get to the table, as we get to the table, that we understand that, that Jesus did something. He was broken once and for all so that we may be whole. He said, he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You've heard this how many times if you've sat in services with communion? One million at least. But the thing for us today is to understand that his brokenness brought us wholeness. He was broken so that we may be whole. Think about that for a second. Where are you broken? Where does your life feel like it's just tattered and broken apart? At that moment, Jesus was saying that my body will be broken so that you may be healed. Have you ever had a struggle where you needed God to heal you physically, emotionally, spiritually? His body was broken so that you may be whole. And in that wholeness, we have victory. What a great picture and understanding that we have victory in that place. All right? The third thing is this that I want to give to you this morning, that it serves as a reminder of our place. Like, what do you mean by this, our place? In the same way, this is uh, verse 20, in the same way, after the supper, He took the cup saying, this is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you, right? 
At this time, again, we see Jesus pointing out that Judas is the one who's going to betray him. Then we see verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. Remember, we talked about this already. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, right? But you are not like that. Listen to me here. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. This was totally counterculture to Jewish faith, right? Totally, the young, kids did not have a place in society like this. And Jesus is flipping it like he always did, flipping the script, saying that, look, the greatest among you are going to be children. Why? Because the faith that they have to believe. Think about that. After the age of five, imagination decreases tremendously and never comes back. The ability to imagine, to, to create in our minds decreases like crazy. And what he's saying here is get that type thing can happen. Get that type of relationship with me back where you believe that anything can happen because that's the type of faith that you have like a child. Don't be like everybody else that just pushes kids away. Bring them to you. Be like them in your faith, right? The youngest, the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who is at the table but I am among you as one who serves. Jesus setting the example, though I am at you with the table, make sure that you become someone that always serves. He says, you stood by me and I confer the king. I give you the kingdom. This is the picture that we're getting, the kingdom, the understanding, just as the father has given to me. So eat and drink at my table here so you can do it there. Jesus is living beyond the moment and he's helping his disciples to understand that what we're doing today isn't just for to now, for now, but for forever. I'm giving you something that you're going to be able to take with you, that you'll be able to be a part of my kingdom beyond this place. Think about after the death of Jesus, how things heated up. Think about even Peter, how he denied him right away, right? He just denied who he was, the relationship and everything in between. Jesus put them in this kingdom for a purpose because they were real people that could reach other people as well. And understanding that you're going to build something on earth with me that cannot be shaken. You're going to build something on earth that will translate to heaven as well. The kingdom of God. This is our place. Important for us. Serves as a reminder that our place, this understanding of covenant. That the old covenant is gone. Nothing has to die that you have to kill by your hands. But the new covenant of Jesus Christ is here now. And he's bridging the gap. What a great picture. Right? Are you with me? Your lads are like, let's just get to the eating part. You're thinking about communion, aren't you? It's okay. I still love you. All right. So what do we do with all this? How do we take all this stuff and make sense of it? The most important decision that you can make at this point in your life is being willing with the table there to set the table so that Jesus can be with you. And you think about it, what, what good are these things if they're, if they're not at a table and they're not at a place, at a juncture where that someone can sit with you? And, and I love the picture, the understanding that we, we get to sit across the table from Jesus, that we get an opportunity to grab the silverware of life and place it out. Hopefully I do this right. I might need some people to help me on this, right? Right? That looks pretty good. And we see Jesus setting the table for his disciples, giving them the real visual of what it looks like to follow him. 
everything just in place, but we also see that we have to be willing to sit at the table with him as well. We have to be willing to take, right, of his blood. Not really. And pour it out. That we have to take of his body and break it off. Oh, that's some good stuff right there. Oh my goodness, I want it right now. But in this moment, <laughs> it smells so good. In this moment, we get face to face with the one who can absolutely change everything. When we set the table, but we think, I don't even want to go near a table at this point in my life. I don't even want to go. There's so many bad memories that I have with church. There's so many bad memories that I have with folks and being rejected before when I talk about Jesus and what he did in my life. But we have to choose to set the table. Unless we make the place for us to commune with him, it will not happen. The beauty of who Jesus was and who he is to us today is that he created a place for us to become, right, who we're supposed to be right now. But it takes us being willing to bring everything that's needed so that we can commune with him, converse, and talk about the things of life. Our worship team's gonna come up. And what I want us to do is take a moment to remember what Jesus did in our lives. And maybe, maybe just like the disciples at that moment, at that last supper, it all made sense. Years of Passover meals that they participated in and were a part of meant nothing until this very moment and the understanding that once and for all, they would be passed over and that everything would be taken away. All of their sin, all of their shame, all of their separation when they sat at the table with Jesus. 26. We read in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, Paul's reminder to the church of Corinth as to how they should operate when they come together as a community of believers. He says to them regarding the remembrance of Jesus that is found in the symbolism of the bread and the juice, and we see that today. You see in particular this, this moment in time when communion was about to be received, there was a fellowship meal that would happen prior. And some, uh, you've heard this before, ate and drank a bit too much, so there were folks that would leave hungry, right, that day. So Paul, as he always was, was out to correct this type of behavior and redirect the attention of the church to the reason that they had to celebrate Christ's sacrifice through his broken body and spilled blood. The good thing about today is we have enough space, if you will, where you can come up and grab communion. You can come up this morning and grab communion for yourself and find a place here. Find a place that you can remember the time that your life was changed. But here's the thing. Communion is for a believer. Someone that has taken that step of faith and placed their trust in Jesus and what he did for them. It's a place of remembrance of us accepting him as our savior. A place of remembrance of understanding of what he did for us. 
Are you with me? This morning, we're going to partake together in communion. And we're going to celebrate that. Derek, would you mind, buddy, just to come right here and hold this for me? So you have some scrum diddly umptious oyster cookies or crackers and some grape juice, which are symbolic of his body that was broken and his blood that was spilled. And what I want you to do this morning is stand with me, number one, if you would like to partake. And then as they play, I want you just to come up and grab these elements. And you can go back to your seat. You can go anywhere else you want. But grab these with me, okay? So I'm going to let you do that now as they start to play. Go ahead. Just close your eyes with me if you're not already. And take a moment. And if, if you feel like today's the day when you maybe need to give your heart to him for the first time or maybe rededicate your life, I get that. I understand. Let's take a moment. What does that look like? It's an understanding of forgiveness and an understanding of repentance. Turning from and turning toward with the forgiveness that he gives us. Thank you, Jesus. We ask for, for that gift, for that forgiveness, and we repent and we turn toward you first and foremost. And we thank you for it. Now, as Paul remembered then, we remember right now says is for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he get, had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me take the bread with me in your hand and say to him thank you Maybe this is the moment when you're believing for complete wholeness. I think it's pretty neat how Jesus said before, he said anything else, thank you. In this season of Thanksgiving, saying thank you. In light of all the brokenness we carry, saying thank you for your wholeness and your victory this morning. Thank you that you've given me your body as an example, as an understanding of what brokenness looks like, but also of the wholeness that I find in you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, protect the bread with me. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's so important for us to understand that this is a proclamation of his death, which means our lives, our victory in him. Jesus, we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice of your life and your blood that was spilled so that we can be with you forever, so that we may have salvation, that we can have life everlasting with you. We thank you, Lord. We receive this cup now, in Jesus' name.
team is going to lead us in a moment of worship. I want you just to take this time and um, picture yourself at the table with Jesus. Picture yourself there in the gratitude that's in your heart because of what he just done for you. He has just done for you. And if you would like to receive prayer or you need to talk during this time, that's fine. We'd love to, to meet with you. But after that, we are going to pray and uh, go from this place victorious. Let's worship. can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus and oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other found I know nothing but the blood of Jesus